This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 12th of the 12th, 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in markets and business. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty, how was your day? It's great. The 12th of the 12th. Can you believe this time in two weeks, we're sitting down watching the Sydney to Hobart start and the uh, the Boxing Day test. My goodness, this year has gone fast. It has gone so fast. It's a little bit anxiety inducing for some of us that still have all their Christmas shopping to do. Um, But I'm going to park that for just a moment. Talk about the day that we saw on markets. Now, Scuddy, at negative, we kind of had a feeling that was coming when we set out today with the SPY futures pointing to that lower open in the wake of a sell-off on Wall Street. Month to date now, we're down by 1.4% after shedding close to half a percent today. We've only got a you know week and a half for this uh, Santa Claus rally to, to return. Yeah, look, the ingredients are there in place. Of course, we've got a few risk events coming up, and I'm sure we'll touch upon later on in the podcast. But uh, I noticed today that Brainchip, that one, was uh, top of the leaderboard, which tells me that there's already a lot of retail participation going through. I just wonder how much of institutional flows might be just a bit of squaring off and everything else ahead of year and in those risk events at the moment. But uh, we'll see what happens. But I've got a feeling that uh, that retail participation and the Santa Claus rally will eventually reassert itself at some point. It does normally happen in the latter part of the month. So, yeah, I'm not uh, saying it's done and dusted. I'm just saying, come on, Santa. Get those reindeer in shape for what will hopefully be a run to the year end. Of course, Scotty, a lot of our conversations right now are centered on 2023. You know, what's to come? I think a lot of the sentiment will be determined by the consumer price inflation in the U.S. this week. The commentary coming from the U.S. Fed, you're alluding to these big risk events. I mean, we'll just park the BOE and the ECB for now uh, because there's sort of, Two camps. We'll get a hawkish Fed or, um, you know, we'll see a CPI, you know, really fed by the CPI read. But um, they've, they've, done, they've laid the groundwork. Like it would take a lot, I think, for them to deviate from the 50 basis points we seem to be pump prime for. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you don't want to shock at the last minute, that's certainly not going to go and help anyone's confidence levels heading to 2023. A 50 would have to be absolute uh, in the three or four standard deviation plus move in CPI one direction or the other to go and get them to change from a 50. And then how they go and frame that. The one thing that I think that they need to go and do is just make sure that financial conditions remain sufficiently tight to go and gradually restrict activity, not go and do it in one big hit. But so just gradually go and restrict it because certainly the services side of the equation when it comes to inflation at the moment is a byproduct of what's going on in the labour market. We know that a lot of uh, wage uh, indicators there are still very strong and not compatible with that uh, that 2% Fed target. We saw with the PPI as well on Friday that when you go and break it down, yes, there's a deceleration in the annual rate of inflationary pressures, but 
it's decelerating to a level which is still not compatible with what the Fed wants. And that's why they're still going to try and push back against this mindset that, hey, we're going to be cutting rates at some point next year, which the markets continue to go and fall back on uh, almost relentlessly at this point. Yeah, um, it would take a lot, you've got to think, when we still do expect inflation to ease, yes, but easing to 6.1% in November. So we'll be watching that one. It is a very big risk event. Um, but what we want to do is get some sort of clarity from Jay Powell and the central bank there as to what could see, you know, if the door is open to a further slowdown, at least in the hiking pace from February when it next meets again. So CPI, a big one, followed by the Fed this week. Today, there was nothing much here, you know, uh, locally as far as uh, data that came. We do have jobs data a little bit later on in the week, but just sticking with today, we had uh, wholesale inflation in Japan steady at 9.3%. Commodity prices being pointed to easing global commodity prices. Um, oil continues to ease, um, which is just sort of a segue into a lot of the conversation around here today. And it dominated some of the big laggards, of course, is the possibility that we will have an energy price cap coming through and legislated by Friday. That really set a cat amongst the pigeons when it came to AGL, but also the prospect for that Brookfield takeover of origin. I don't know, Scuddy, what's your take on the energy price cap? Won't work. In short, it won't solve the problems that are causing the really high retail infl- uh, power price at this point in time. That's a generation issue. And uh, you've got a scenario now where you've got a lot of cheap renewables feeding into the grid, making it uneconomic for a lot of these existing generators to go and continue operation. So every time you have a, a pop in wholesale prices as well, uh, this, the talk is immediately going shutting down capacity and everything else. It's just not compatible with having cheap, reliable baseload power, uh, and that's going to cause some issues moving forward. Uh, I wish I could go and have a more uh, more glossy, optimistic take on it, but uh, I think it's uh, barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, you know what else I think is interesting? I saw a tweet today from Joe Weizenthal, who is from Bloomberg, the stalwart, as he's known on Twitter, and he was just talking about the fact that gas prices, and I'm talking about petrol prices in the U.S., have fallen so significantly. So Californians, for example, are you know paying much, much less for their to fill up their their you know their their cars and SUVs most likely in trucks in the states. And he was just saying, you know, that's in essence, inflationary. And I was just thinking, you know, here, um, you know, it, it's just it's just money that's going to be spent one way or the other, whether that be on energy or something else. So whether or not it contributes to the inflationary issues, I think is probably a bit of a, a long bow to stretch. But it's certainly, um, you know, it, it's all it's all coming at, a, at an interesting time for the economy. But uh Look, that was what moved some of the companies on the local market today. Uh, listen, otherwise, it's a lot of takeover talk when it comes to Tyro, Westpac walking away, rejecting Potentia. I had a conversation with Ron Shamgar from Tamim Asset Management who said, look, Tyro's board just seems to be living in the past when it comes to their expectations for an offer coming through. You know, they're quoting a share price that hasn't been seen for, you know, a year or more. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting move by Tyro. It was, if not the, uh, well, one of one of the worst performers today, and also Nitro, Nitro Software, um, again rejecting that Potentia offer and in favor of an Aludo offer from 
you know, private equity, KKR offshoot, which is actually now at $2.15. So if you want to listen to the small caps, it's available online. And uh, Ron goes into that as well as a few stock picks for 2023. Um, look, the stock of the day was St. Barbara. Uh, we had a couple of expert guests. We had Gaurav Sodi from the Intelligent Investor and um, Philip Pepe from Sean Partners. Boy, almost forgot. Philip Pepe looked so dapper in here today, Scotty. Let's take a listen to what they had to say about St. Barbara. Interest certainly won't, won't be picking up stock. You're, we're in an environment where gold stocks generally are just incredibly cheap and there is no need to go up the risk curve. You, need to, you can play an easy game here, picking up good quality assets at very cheap prices. You don't need to do this, so avoid for me. But interesting experiment, keep watching. Proposed deal actually looks pretty good. So both companies are around about 500 mil market cap, put them together, get a bill. Sweet spot for a lot of, a lot of investors, you get a lot more liquid. Um, gold price seems to be recovering, I can't pick it, won't. All right, so that is a differing opinion there. So it was a buy for one, a uh, an avoid for another. And apparently, so speaking to Jack, the producer of the call, said these guys, they got along, but they didn't agree on very much. As long as it's entertainment, that's, uh, that's all that matters. Well, that's what the makes the market. two sides to every stone. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly right. Okay, so what else sort of resonated with you today? Scotty, today I'll say I had a really great conversation with David Berthen-Jones. He's from Equitus Investment Partners. Like, I think we talked for about 15 minutes, and I could have gone longer. He just gave a really clear um, view on the world as he sees it, asset allocation, and what he was saying, you just need, need to diversify. And I mean, he... He's a multi-asset manager, so he's talking different, you know, regions. He's talking different asset classes. He's talking, you know, everything from equities through to credit. It's worthwhile. It's available via the show notes if you'd like to have a listen. Yeah, DBJ, one of the smartest people I know and uh, really well respected and uh, a genuinely nice guy as well. So I encourage you to go and listen to that. Uh, the guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, you had a good chat with Raymond Chen from Morgan's. Also, you know, talking about whether or not the ASX 200 represents fair value. Don't give it all away, but what was his sort of take on the market overall as we end 2022? Well, we all know about earnings risk because we've been spending pretty much the last six months talking about it. But uh, now that we have uh, discount rates, uh, risk-free rates starting to go and come off the, uh, the boil a little bit, uh, Raymond thinks there's more gas in the tank in that move. So push and pull factors and it actually means that a recalibration of, uh, of market pricing suggests it's probably a tad undervalued now having been around about fair value uh, not that long ago. So he's feeling pretty optimistic in particular about one part of the market which you'll have to go and watch the uh, video to go and find out what it is. Okay, um, look, Chinese stocks today retreating. There are concerns of rising COVID cases. Look, I, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people about China, as you have as well, but, um, you know, lots in the camp saying this is not going to be a smooth reopening. That's actually David Berthen Jones, DBJ, if I'm allowed to call him that, today reckons that um, there will be setbacks, in particular sort of self-reliance self, self 
uh, withdrawal. You know, even if things open up, people won't want to get out there because health is still the ultimate decider. And, you know, there's a lot of people unvaccinated there. But, um, you know, Jeff, Joseph Caperzo from the CBA also thinks that there are going to be big bumps in this COVID reopening road. Um, so, yeah, we, we sort of feel like each and every day we're watching China with much interest. And we, of course, we get a data dump coming from China later in this week as well. Yeah, so interesting to see how that uh, obviously will be pretty soft, you'd imagine, given some of the disruptions. And I completely agree with what they've been saying about uh, the threat posed by uh, rolling disruptions and, uh, and self-enforced uh, you know, isolation. They're like, we saw it here, we still see it to this day, even though there's been a lot of restrictions that have been repealed. A lot of people still revert to the, uh, the way it was in the past when they have COVID. Uh, even if they're uh, not symptomatic, they'll stay at home. And that's going to be something to be expected for a long period of time. And when you consider as well that China's health system is probably not as robust as what we enjoy here in Australia. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult than what people imagine out there at this point in time. And uh, if we start seeing this, this health system get overwhelmed, who's to say that there won't be new restrictions put back in place? Yep, and uh, the Hong Kong, the Hang Seng in Hong Kong is off more than 2% as we record this contract. Look, we've got iron ore, Dali and iron ore coming under a bit of pressure today, but uh, also... You know, iron ore prices in general at multi-month highs. So we'll continue to watch that story throughout the week this week. Um, look, otherwise, I think we've sort of got it covered. We've obviously got an eye on the U.S. dollar with all of this risk event uh, coming up and um, watching gold as well. Um, falling today, in fact, gold stocks were down as we saw some dollar strength and pressure then coming through to the price of gold. So I feel like everything's very live this week, Scuddy, before it's going to go deathly quiet that week before Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, on those two topics about uh, the Fed and the US dollar and uh, also China reopening, Vishnu Varathan from Zuho Bank, uh, he goes and covers a lot of different areas and, uh, and likes to go and transpire across what it means for financial markets. And uh, I spoke to him today on the big picture and he assured me that he doesn't think either of those, the pivot hopes or the China reopening hopes are really uh, recalibrated to what reality is going to go and deliver. So he's actually quite pessimistic about what it might go and mean for other risk assets moving forward. So I encourage you to have a watch of that as well if you get the opportunity. Okay, will do. So when it comes to this local market, as we mentioned, shares were down almost half a percent today. So bringing our monthly losses to about one and a half percent. Uh, look, we did see not a lot of economic data here, but some big moves for the likes of Origin and AGL, Tyro as well. I think it was down by about 19 points. Um, we will be keeping our eye on the materials space again. And uh, we've got the NAB business survey out tomorrow, Scotty. That's always an influential read. Do you have any expectations or what will you be watching in that? Uh, if Sherelle Murphy from EY, the conversation I had with her late last week uh, on the show, is anything to go by, she assures me that uh, the conversation she's been having with business leaders uh, over the past uh, past few weeks, the sentiment has turned from being quite optimistic to quite pessimistic. Now, whether that goes and translates across to what we see with uh, the 400 or so businesses that are surveyed as part of the other uh, NAB business survey, We'll find out, but that's clearly where the risk lies, that uh, that confidence that we've seen at the moment and the strength and conditions that, uh, that they've enjoyed and, and helped boost that confidence level will start to deteriorate and become more in line with what we're seeing with consumer sentiment at this point in time. We'll be watching closely. Look, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. I get the chance to speak with Jill Carey-Hall. She is the Small Caps Lead 
at Bank of America. I'll be speaking to her from New York. Also, Aaron Binstead from Lazard Asset Management will join me in the studio. He's got great insights into the market always. You'll be having a chat with Andrew Brown uh, in the Global View at 9.45 Eastern time, at least, tomorrow, Scotty. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up. Sarah Shaw from 40 Infrastructure. I don't think we've spoken with her in a very long time. So the list is long. You'll want to keep us tuned in tomorrow, ausbiz.com.au, or catch up via this podcast and all the interviews we've put in your show notes. You should check them out. Absolutely. I encourage you to do so as well. Okay, Scotty, how about you have a good night and I will see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Take care. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.